Appointment Ministries Podcast Network. Strength for today's pastor. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Strength for Today's Pastor, a resource designed to strengthen you, the senior or lead pastor of your church. Here's your host, Bill Holdridge. Bill is the director of Poiman Ministries, which is a team of former longtime senior pastors who are available to strengthen pastors, to strengthen churches. Welcome to today's edition of Strength for Today's Pastor. I am Bill Holdridge, the host of our program, and we are sponsored by Poiman Ministries. And I'm excited about today's podcast because I have with me Trip Kimball. Tripp is the founding pastor of Living Streams Christian Fellowship in Southern California. He was there for 12 years, and then after that, moved on to the Philippines to serve with inductive Bible study training of pastors and Christian leaders, and also opening up an orphanage there along with his wife, Susan, and they served in the Philippines arena of ministry for about 25 years, and now they've relocated to the United States, and Tripp has been part of our team of Poiman Ministries pastors for another a number of years. But the focus of our conversation today, uh, Tripp, as you know, is going to be on the subject of discipleship. We're going to be talking specifically about the senior or lead pastor and his discipleship focus within his church, developing people, raising up leaders, and those kinds of things. And so if you as a senior pastor who are listening to this really want to sharpen your toolkit in this area, this is going to be a good podcast for you to listen to today. Trip, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you and your heart for discipleship and your heart for the kingdom and what you're going to have to say about this today. Thanks, Bill. appreciate it. Uh, it really is something that's been... Uh, uh, a big part of my life in terms of uh, personally and my relationship with the Lord, but also in terms of my own uh, pastoral leadership and, and leadership overseas. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, your own personal situation, your own personal testimony. You had a discipleship experience early on in your Christian life. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit and what that kind of did for you, launching you into a whole lifetime of ministry? Yeah, I think uh, for me, a lot of how I was drawn into a relationship with the Lord and then and also connected to uh, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, in the early days was through friends who came to me, shared uh, the gospel with me, uh, listened to me. I mean, I, I remember especially a couple of people that I would challenge and they, they would just listen. Uh, they would bring back uh, their understanding uh, in terms of the word um, to, in response to my answers or my questions, I mean. And uh, that alone was something that really drew me in because I'd, I'd heard the gospel many times. Uh, I had experiences with people just uh, throwing scripture out at me, but not really willing to to discuss things. Um, um, so the that uh, that approach of listening and and spending time with me and being willing to interact with me was really an important part of why I've responded in in many ways to uh, 
the, the gospel and, and eventually opened my heart up to the Lord. Yeah, that was a lot of my experience, too, in a Christian commune initially and then in a small group fellowship where there were some seasoned ministers there that took me under their wings and answered my questions. But that leads me to another question, Tripp, and, and that has to do with your curiosity. You were a curious new believer, and your questions were met with willing men who wanted to pour into you and help you answer and resolve some of those questions. How important is that for the senior pastor deciding who he's going to spend time with discipling? Oh, I think it's really, really important. Uh, I, I want to say, though, I wasn't always met with uh, listening ears. I mean, there was a time when I, I actually had so many questions uh, and challenged this guy that was supposed to be the Bible answer man, who turned out to be a heretic. But in the early, early days of the chapel, um, I, I remember um, being thrown out of uh, Calvary Chapel because of my questioning. Uh, and the good news is is that other people who did listen and who, who would engage with me in terms of my questions and, and challenge me to go back to the Word, uh, would spend time with me, that was that was absolutely critical. So it really carried over into my own um, role as, as a pastor. Um, it, it just was, it was embedded in me is the only way I can uh, describe it. Uh, I believe that it was something that was more or less organic to the Jesus movement in those days. It was also something that I saw modeled by uh, Pastor Chuck. Uh, he, he he would would yes he would teach but he would spend time with people who would come up and ask him questions would engage in he would spend an incredible amounts of time after Bible studies uh, talking with people talking with young people and he wasn't afraid uh, of their challenging him he wasn't afraid of their uh, their questions he didn't it, it, that wasn't an issue for him he would just engage he would he would discuss things. He was always very clear, and he was very straightforward about things. But it was that engagement that, that intrigued me, and somehow it, it 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 became embedded in me as well. Well, that speaks to the heart of what discipleship is. Discipleship, in essence, is the process of learning and growing. And so Chuck did that, and others did that for you. So talking to the senior pastor, the lead pastor, maybe... He launched his church maybe 10 years ago, and he launched his church and created a leadership team around him and developed programs and started teaching the Bible on Sunday mornings, maybe thematically, maybe through series, maybe through verse-by-verse -verse expositional teaching, and then the church has grown. But his personal investment in individuals hasn't been intentional, perhaps, or maybe he'd like to grow in that area of really learning how to, to impersonally invest and disciple individuals in the church, leaders, etc. So let's talk to that guy. What's the need for discipleship as a senior pastor? What does he have a need to do? I think part of it goes back to uh, having a sense of vision beyond just teaching the Word having a sense of vision beyond just leaving a church. And that vision needs to be 
how does this church, this, you know, whether it's a Calvary Chapel or whatever church it might be, how does this church connect with the community around it that it's, it's embedded in? The other thing would be, how am I communicating my vision uh, or the Lord's vision for the church? How am I communicating that to the church at large? And how am I communicating it to people that are in leadership or who I want to see in leadership? I think another thing that that I learned early on was the importance of always training up the next uh, somebody behind me to to take my place, and I, I I really learned that at Calvary Costa Mesa because I saw a lot of people come and go. Uh, it just was it was part of what you did. Uh, it, was, it was part of a responsibility you had, whether it was leading worship. I mean, I led worship. I did youth ministry. I taught in children's ministry. Um, Susan and I ran the nursery care uh, for uh, over a year uh, when we were just, you know, baby parents, baby believers. We saw that need over and over again of training others up to take our place because we we understood that God would, uh, I think especially in those days, we, we had a sense that God was always going to calls on to something else, so we had to be preparing somebody to take our place. I think when you get to the place of uh, a church being established after five, maybe ten years, it's easy to just kind of let things keep going, but if you do that, if, you, if you're not kind of always pushing beyond where you're at uh, and, and investing in people and investing in the future, so to speak, it's easy for the church, you, you don't realize it at first, but it's easy for the church to plateau. And then as you begin to plateau, it really begins, it's easy to get into kind of a coasting uh, mood, or I, I call it kicking it into neutral. And it, it'll keep going. It'll keep rolling, and, and there'll be people that'll come and go. The The question is, is are they are they really grasping what the vision of the, the ministry is? And I believe that's a really valuable and important part of uh, pastoring and leading people at any level, but especially for a senior pastor. I, I knew that that was my responsibility. That was, uh, it was, I was responsible to communicate that to the board. I was responsible to communicate that to people that were involved in, in the ministry and serving, whether they were paid or they were volunteers. And that carried over to uh, our time in the Philippines as well. I mean, we 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 saw that as our responsibility. It was just ingrained in us at an early, early point in our relationship with the Lord and our involvement in serving the Lord. So you're not talking just about training people for specific ministry roles. You're talking about training and discipling them for something that they become. So what is it that the scripture tells us that they need to become. One of my favorite verses, or two verses, actually, is in, um, aside from the Lord's response, if anybody wants to follow me, uh, they need to deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. I mean, it's it's all one process. It's not like a, a step-by-step thing. You know, like, well, I'll deny myself. I'm not going to take up the cross. No, it, it doesn't work that way. But Paul, speaking to Timothy in his last letter, Second Timothy, he says, uh, he exhorts Timothy to be strong in the grace of the Lord, and that should be a bedrock for uh, any of us uh, in the, you know, that are involved with the gospel and involved in pastoring people. 
Be strong in the grace of the Lord. And then he says, what you've heard from me, I want you to transfer that to other faithful or reliable people. Um, men, actually, he says in, in the scripture. But this can, this isn't necessarily a, a gender-specific thing, and it isn't also something that necessarily has to take place directly by the lead pastor, but it definitely needs to be encouraged by the lead pastor. So, uh, for an example, um, in my early uh, years as, as a pastor, I just started gathering a few guys and teaching them how I studied, how I put together a, a message, um, basically what I was doing in terms of leaving the church, what the vision was for the church. And as they, as we went through those things, then I would give them opportunities to uh, teach a Bible study uh, or, you know, to do something specific with what we had, had learned. And it, it, it didn't always result in, uh, you know, this person went out and planted a church, but I believe all the guys that, that I've, I've first started with, they all went out and they were all leaders in some at some level within the church body beyond what they had been at our church. When I was in the Philippines, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, start Bible college in 95, I believe it was, uh, in the Philippines. And it was kind of an outgrowth of, of my work with inductive Bible study and training pastors and leaders. I found that one of the, the most valuable times was when I would go and talk to the staff, especially the, the teaching staff in the Bible college. When, when I would just go and, and just see them, they would ask me questions and we would dialogue about it. And, and I think a lot of the stuff that we talked about in those informal stand-up kind of discussions were, were actually more valuable in many ways than uh, what was taking place in terms of uh, more formalized uh, approaches that I took in terms of training staff, uh, discipling uh, my leaders? You know, I would I would spend time and take them through specific things, but I found that those informal times were sometimes much more fruitful and effective. I, and I believe it's because I was open to listening to them. I was open to hearing them. And responsive to them, I didn't just kind of plow through and say, okay, this is what you need to know, this is what you need to do, now go out and do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I think that, you know, what you're doing is you're unpacking Second Timothy 2, uh, verse 2, the things you have learned from me, Paul said, among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right. So you're talking about passing this on and duplicating yourself and so on. That's what Paul did, obviously, with Timothy. Four generations, really, of discipleship are in, are in that verse. You've got Paul, Timothy, those that Timothy taught, and, the, and the, the ones that Timothy taught now teaching others. So that's what you've seen happen as you've continued just to uh, make this your emphasis. Absolutely. And, then the, and let's not forget Barnabas. Yeah, I, I like to go back to Barnabas. Barnabas is the one that took Paul under his arm and brought him to Jerusalem. Barnabas was the one that went out and got Paul when, when he was Saul, and he was over in Tarsus. He'd gone back home. Uh, but Barnabas knew the calling on Paul's life. So when revival started hitting uh, Antioch and, 
and there were many who were coming to faith that were Gentiles, not Jews, he went and got Saul and brought him back because he knew this is the time, this is the man, this is the time. Had Barnabas not been that one that was the encourager and the mentor of Paul, uh, how would he have known? You know, how, how would that have all transacted? So I see Barnabas as a big part of the, the chain of what Paul did in Silas's life, as well as uh, with Timothy and Titus and so many others. He embedded that. And that, this goes to really we're called to, in, in the Great Commission, we're called to make go and make disciples in Matthew 28, 19. And the idea there is, is we look at the model of Jesus, is you're not, when Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men, it wasn't a matter of, John, I'm going to make you fishers of men, and then you're going to cut them up and eat them. It was the idea of, I'm going to make you fishers of men who will also become fishers of men. In other words, there's, there's need, what needs to happen is there is that intent to disciple someone so that they're able to go out and do the same and disciple others. And that's basically what we say, see when Jesus sent them out uh, two by two. Uh, Luke shows us in, in Luke 9, the first time he just sends out the 12, and the next time he sends out 70 or 72 based on whatever version you're reading. So that that was a, a model that Jesus developed. And so for me, I always go back to, well, what did Jesus do? How did he do it? That's how I want to do it as well. And, and Jesus was all about replicating because he knew his role was going to end on earth as, as Messiah, it, as he went to the cross and as he was resurrected. And what's interesting to me is uh, I caught this the last time I was teaching through the book of Acts. In chapter 1, uh, it talks about Jesus uh, making himself known uh, at different times to the, the disciples, uh, appearing to them and teaching them. But the way it's expressed in Acts is it says that the Holy Spirit, uh, they were taught by the Holy Spirit. So what I see that is, is, is that Jesus was taking them to the next level. He was showing them, okay, this is what I want you to do. This is how I trained you. Now, this is how I want you to train others as well. We see that even in John 21 when uh, Jesus uh, is restoring Peter. His basic uh, challenge to Peter is, uh, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to care for them. I want you to love my, feed my lambs. And then when Peter says, well, well what about him, referring to John, uh, uh, when Jesus tells Peter, listen, uh, it's not going to end well for you. You're going to get crucified. Uh, as I am, uh, in in so many words, he says this. He so Peter looks to John and says, "Well, what about him?" And Jesus turns to him and says, "What's that to you? You follow me." And I think that's always a challenge for me. It's like I don't need to look at what everybody else is doing. I need to look at Jesus. Look at what He did. How did He disciple people? How did He raise up leaders? That's always going to be my go-to. That's always my my model. I don't care what, you know, what this book or that book says, or, or, you know, this theory or whatever. What I know is how Jesus brought me along, what I see in the scriptures, what I see, uh, uh, you know, through the gospels, but also what I see in the book of Acts. And and basically, I look at First Thessalonians as, as one of those epistles that we, we kind of quickly go through to get to the end where we talk about end times. But in that, I can 
see how Paul was discipling the Thessalonians, even from a distance, through his teaching and through those that he had already uh, discipled and, and mentored and, and put in place as leaders. That's a great place to uh, land on for our final comment here, Trip, and that is that you talked about the Holy Spirit being the one that is or- orchestrating all of this, and of course Jesus is orchestrating everything from heaven through the Holy Spirit and through his ministry. So, you know, Jesus uh, has a lot of tools that he uses in order to disciple a human being into his image and into his likeness, right? So, Absolutely. The Lord used Barnabas in Paul's life, but the Lord also used a lot of other things in Paul's life, like right. his time out in the Arabian Desert and whatever. The Spirit was doing it. So I guess what I'm getting at here, Tripp, is that we as as lead pastors, we can't assume that we are going to be the only tool in the tool belt to disciple a specific individual. The Lord's going to use a lot of people, but we're an important part. Not the only part, but we're an important part. Right, and I, I, I think that also goes to, do we really believe Second Timothy three sixteen and 17, that, that the Word of God is inspired, God breathed, and do we really believe that it is sufficient to equip and to train and, and, and rebuke when necessary? And if that's the case, we, we need to demonstrate that for others. That's part of our model, part of our responsibility as far as example we need to demonstrate that we trust the truth of the Word and we trust the Holy Spirit. Uh, one of my gripes with the Lord early on was that the first few guys that I, I trained, I think it was about five of them, uh, they all, within about a year or two, uh, ended up moving out of the church and because of job situations. And, and I complained to the Lord. I said, Lord, this isn't fair. You know, I, I equipped these guys. I trained them. I poured into them. I poured into them what you poured into me. So, uh, you know, what's the deal? And, and basically, I, I, I sensed the Lord saying to me that my job was to train and to equip, and it was his job to, to uh, disperse them and place them where he wanted them for his body. Now, the good news is that later as I trained others, they did stay, and they were uh, a help and a, and a blessing within the, within the body. But, I, but there needs to be that, that trust that God, by his spirit, will do a work in other human beings through us. But we also need to trust what's, what's the, the Holy Spirit doing in other people's lives. And do we trust the, the truth of God that we teach and that we explain and that we, we uh, base our life on? Do we trust the truth of God and do we trust the spirit of God? in the lives of other people that we're discipling. You're saying an awful lot right now. You're you're talking about our curriculum as disciplers. You mentioned Jesus, of course. You mentioned the work of the Spirit, the importance of the Word. So for that senior pastor who's saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to pour into people. Well, we've got our curriculum. We've got the nature of Jesus, as in the Gospels. We've got the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. We've got the Word of God. We've got plenty of curriculum. And then you're talking about the end game of all of it. After we pour into people, it's up to the Lord Jesus himself to disperse people and use them how he wants to in his body, and it may not even be in the ministry that we're involved with. Those are great concepts to end our time with today, Trip. I think we're going to have to cut this off and maybe do another one. You willing and open to do that? 
Sure, sure. I mean, I can talk about all this stuff for a long time, so probably more more, more time than you've got. <laughs> okay, good. We'll do that. We'll just go forward with it then and, and have more uh, to say in another episode. But thanks for joining us, Trip. and you've been listening to Strength for Today's Pastor, and you've been also hearing from Pastor Trip Kimball, who's part of our Poyman Ministries team of leaders and pastors. So we've been talking about discipleship, the need for it in the church, and specifically the need for the senior pastor to engage in discipleship within his ministry. And we'll continue this next time on Strength for today's pastor. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Looking forward to being with you next time. Strength for today's pastor is sponsored by Poyman Ministries. You can find us at poymanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question, or desire to connect with us, or if you have a comment or a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. Until we meet again, may you continue to be a strengthened pastor.